Now through October 12th, get the killer deal at Planet Fitness. Join for just $5 down, $10 a month, no commitment, and really get your heart racing on all of our cardio and strength equipment. $5 down, $10 a month, no commitment. That's a deal to die for. Join now. Planet Fitness, the judgment-free zone. Hurry. Offer ends Friday, October 12th. Join in club or online at planetfitness.com. Annual membership fee applies. State and local taxes may apply. Participating locations only. See club for details. Indie Radio presents The Spotlight, Internet Radio Show, Season 14. The program that puts the spotlight on independent content creators. Each week, our hosts bring to you entertaining and thought-provoking episodes. This is your home for news about television, film, gaming, and much, much more. Join us live here every Wednesday as we bring to you interviews and biting commentary. And now, your host, Jen and Kente. Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of The Spotlight. I am one of your hosts, Kente, all the way live from Los Angeles, California, and I'm so happy to be here with you this wonderful night. I am joined by the one and only Jen. How are you doing, Jen? I am doing great, Kente. This is, uh, I feel like this is one of those spotlight episodes that is uh, worthy of being rebroadcast quite a bit because there is somebody super special on the other side of this. So I'm really excited to start talking. I am too. And you know, you can uh, um, go to our website. It is indyradio.org. That's I N D Y radio.org. Uh, you can get us on, um, on um, Twitter. At, I mean, you can get me at Twitter at Kente F as well as the show indie radio org and then also on instagram you can get us at indy radio indie radio so let's get right into our guest uh this man is an actor a filmmaker and we're here to chop it up with him tonight it's the one and only harley whalen how you doing hey i'm great thank you so much thanks for having me on yes thank you for joining us i'm really excited to talk about you because we have so much to chop it up with you about um, I mean, you know, uh, we're going to talk about your, your newest film, Bennett Song, as well as other projects that you're working on. But, you know, in a tradition of this show, we always like to start at the beginning. So where are you from originally? Oh, hey, uh, originally I am from Sweden. I uh, moved here in the mid-90s to pursue my acting dreams. Ah, sweet. So that's, uh, that's, where the, that's where the humble beginnings were. <laughs> now, what was it like growing up uh, in Sweden? Really funny because uh, bird's eye view Sweden and the States probably look a lot alike. Mm -hmm. uh, the minor differences, I think, uh, a little bit uh, friendlier and a little bit more uh, camaraderie. Uh, we're a little bit more into family and, uh, and those type of things. Uh, that would probably be the biggest difference. So they're very small differences until you get really get in with people. I, I always tell people that my mom still sees my grandma like multiple times a week and my sister and like they all hang together multiple times a week all the time. And, uh, and, and that's kind of how it is in most of Sweden, which I really, I really like. Mm. You know, uh, I haven't been to Sweden, but I, it's definitely on the list of places to go. And uh, I'm really interested in, 
getting an idea of like what is it you know, what's the culture like um how's how's the film community there uh did you did yeah. you watch a lot of american films growing up yeah i was very influenced uh, to the point that um in in english classes in in high school they refused to give me an a plus for my english even though i was the best kid in class because i refused to speak with an english accent because uh, they teach you proper English. <laughs> and and I seen all the movies, and I'm like, no, 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 no. The people that talk like that, there's only James Bond. That's the only cool guy who talks like that. <laughs> all the other cool people, they speak differently. So that was kind of like my mentality. So I was very influenced. I was very integrated into American film very early. Uh, my mom said when I was five, I told her I was going to move here and be uh, an actor and a star. So it's just wild. You know, so so many people know what they want at a very young age, and some people, you know, they able to blossom and get to that point. And I, yeah. I can only imagine being a young man in Sweden. America must have seemed like, you know, almost to the distance to the moon. <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. No, it felt like halfway around the world. But what I started doing is, as soon as I was old enough to travel, I saved every little bit that I could all the time. And I started coming over here on a regular basis. And I started at the time I was a break dancer. I was a martial artist and a bunch of other things. So I just seeked opportunities to, to network. So I've been on stage with two life crew and I've been on stage with Rob Bays and, and DJ easy rock. And, and, and I've done, uh, you know, fight stunts for people and, and everything else because I was just trying to find an angle to get in, so that I can start networking and, and, and show hopefully that it was worth taking a chance on. Wait a minute now. We can't, like, I'm a hip hop, I'm a hip hop junkie. I grew up, I'm, you know, I grew oh. up, that's my, that's my era of, uh, of music. And so you used to break dance for two live crew. Get uh, out no, of here. not for them, with them. With uh, them, uh -huh. Luke Skywalker owned a pink nightclub out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, and we used to go in there and dance. And then they had a show, and he pulled me up on stage for the show. Oh, uh, so wonderful. one time I danced with them, but most of the time uh, Luke was really cool host. He was awesome uh, just to hang around with. But I have been on stage multiple times with uh, Rob Bass. So uh, yeah, yes, and that's awesome, Jen. Uh, for you, in case you don't know, that's uh, it takes two. You know the song. Yeah, <laughs> So uh yes. Oh man. Last one pack. Yes. And now uh let's talk about your your martial arts background. Uh, uh what were your disciplines? So I started in judo uh at age 7. I was pretty terrible till age 12. Mm -hmm. Uh at 13, I don't know what happened if my body and and mind kind of aligned, but I I almost didn't lose for like 5 years. Mm. And I went from being a kind of terrible, never won a gold medal in my life to winning gold after gold after gold after gold. And the tournaments got bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, so really an interesting time. Then I had a, a pretty bad leg injury at a, from, a, from a, big, a dance show at a banquet. And, uh, and I didn't feel like trying to climb all the way back up to a world-class low. So I started uh, training Taekwondo. Uh, I still did judo, but more as a hobby. And uh, and I ended up making it to international competitions in Taekwondo as well. And then somebody told me that there's this new thing 
called No Holds Bar, where there's no rules. You just kind of get inside of a boxing ring and you and pretty much anything goes. And I just felt that I was really meant for that because I had already done the crossover training. I trained judo, I trained jiu-jitsu, and I trained taekwondo. So I, I started fighting uh, No Holds Bar and, and, and testing my limits. And then uh, eventually I moved here, coached mixed martial arts and judo, and, uh, and had my farewell fight in 2000. Two, I think my last pro fight was 2009. Oh, wow. You know, uh, I, and I, I'm so glad that you're on the show. Uh, I'm a big martial arts lover, you know. Um, I always wonder, though, the connection between dance and martial arts. I, I I can only imagine that they help each other. And a lot of people don't know this. Bruce Lee was a cha-cha champ. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he was an excellent dancer as well. So can you talk a little bit about how dance and martial arts kind of help each other out? Absolutely. I think, you know, uh, there's an art form called capoeira where, mm -hmm. they, where they actually mix the two together. Mm -hmm. uh, but fundamentally, we're talking about rhythms and we're talking about movements and we're talking about patterns and you could call that dance or you could call it martial arts. They're very related. Uh, the mobility and dexterity that you need for a lot of dances, the, the quickness and accuracy you need, they're, they're very related, very much so. I heard that, um, that actually Michael Jackson was a, is, was a martial artist as well. Um, I saw that somewhere and I, I wanted to learn more about that, but I can, I yeah. can see that the way that he moved, uh, oh, I can totally see that yeah. translating. So, uh, to, to, uh, fighting, that's really interesting. Um, now, now what was that toll on your body? The, um, you know, years of competing and stuff. Um, what was that like as far as, and even today? Well, I think, to be honest with you, because it was fairly recently that I retired, um, I didn't even realize it because it's one of them things, while you're still going, you don't really feel the aches and pains very much. But when you slow down, so I went from fighting on a level and doing this to coaching to now I don't even coach anymore. I do a WXC. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a fairly big organization for mixed market. Arts. I do. I host a commentary uh, uh, with them on uh, UFC Fight Pass, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm still involved in the sports, but I'm not active in the sports anymore. And my body has a tendency to scream at me when I wake up. Mm -hmm. Nothing is happy. So my joints, uh, my joints are. They take a little bit of warming up uh, when I get out of bed. Uh, and the bigger problem than that for me is I have been able to eat virtually anything I want my whole life because. I train so much that you burn, you know, mm -hmm. five to 10,000 calories a day without a problem. And now here I am and my body's like, yep, you can eat 2,000 calories a day. And I'm like, what, 2,000? <laughs> I've never eaten 2,000 calories. The last time I did that was like eight. Right. <laughs> so, it so that has been trickier for me is learning how to eat balanced uh, without having that calorie expenditure of, of martial arts. But yeah, I mean, my body's not always super happy with me. That's for sure. Now you started at a very young age. Uh, what age would you, as someone who started very young, what age, if say like a father wanted to get their, their child into martial arts, what's a good age for them to start at? And what's like, uh, and, and why would a certain age be too young or, or, or not? Yeah, I think a lot of places start, at, start, start at four and five. 
I think at four and five, dance and gymnastics are great things. If they're team-oriented or need to be integrated into a team thing, go with like a soccer or something where they can have that, a little bit of play alongside with it. But I think martial arts, when I started at seven, I, I knew better than to use it uh, at school. I knew better than to, um, to, to, so I think seven is fairly good. A little bit of individual cases, obviously, because uh, there are some kids that, that can't quite control themselves at seven and, and may need a little bit longer. Um, but but generally, seven seven is probably good. Seven, eight years old, they should be very ready to, to be involved. And, I, and what, I, what I love about judo and jiu-jitsu is they're grappling martial arts. They're very hard to use in an offensive way. So those are great starting points. Uh, and also, they're far less concussive than the striking martial arts. So as a kid, you don't end up with a concussion at, at nine from, you know, doing something and getting kicked in the head by accident. Uh, worst thing that happens to you is that you get thrown funny and the air goes out of you. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a lot more forgiving. The one thing I, I really like about when I read your bio and just talking to you is you have a lot of tools in your toolbox. You know, you've studied martial arts, dance acting, filmmaking, and whatnot. Um, just talk about how having all these tools in your toolbox has helped you as a filmmaker and as an actor. I think, I think if you go through life as a student and you don't let pride get in the way, you don't have a big ego that's going to get inflamed and, 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 and fight with, with things, and you just seek to learn and you seek to grow I think I think your life will provide you with a lot of tools, and and you just have to be open to see it. But uh, specifically, I think, you know, when I make a, a movie now, I can make a movie and and I can do a fight scene. Uh, for instance, in Betrayed, we that we just released, that released one week ago, I have a, a, a phenomenal fight scene with me and and TJ, that that's really really exciting and. I can dumb it down to someone like uh, Billy Worth is not a martial artist. I did a, a quick fight sequence for his uh, establishing scene as well. And uh, and I could make sure that I did something when I did a chore choreography that he could do, even though he's not a fighter, he's not uh, a, a martial artist or, or whatnot. So that's a, a big advantage. I also think uh, with the dance, I had an opportunity to do music videos and other things and, uh, and I'm the guy, whether I'm an actor or a dancer or something, I'm the guy when we're in between, I'll ask questions to try to learn and pick things up. And, uh, and uh, I think that just shapes who you are. And uh, I, I, I've been that way. I, I directed my first feature film and we had it up on the big screen and we walked out of there and everybody was giving me high fives and accolades. But I knew that if Steak walked into our theater rather than one of the other ones, they would never, ever, ever believe that this was one of those films. And that bothered me. Mm -hmm. So I immediately started saying, what can I do to be better? So I, I, I went online and I searched for resources, found out that there's a, an online uh, film school, cinematography and everything else called Rocket Jump. So I'm like, I'm going to watch every single video there is. And then after I was done with that, I went to Five Minute Film School, and, and, and I still to this day will go on YouTube and look up, you know, how to shoot a Mexican standoff, just because it's one of them tricky things with eye lines and everything else. 
how do you make that look the best? And I look at videos and I learn all the time. And I think uh, to go big circle back to the martial arts and the dance, I think that's one of the big things is, is use everything that you've learned in everything that you do. Because you'll be surprised how many things apply over that you never realized would matter. You know, it's interesting. If you talk to experienced dancers, martial artists, they will always say that they are never a finished product, that they're constantly seeking knowledge to become better. And as an actor and as a filmmaker, it's the same thing. You're always striving to be better than your last performance. and, And there's no really, there's no real graduation to where, okay, I've learned everything. I know everything. You're constantly <laughs> learning, right? Uh, yeah. al- always be learning, as they say. Um, so yeah, having started out in dance and martial arts, um, you can just take that same mindset and apply it to acting and filmmaking. Uh, when you first got into to acting, uh, what was the hardest thing uh, to, to uh, translate characters to film for you? You know, I think when it comes to acting, it's such a process. And each time that you feel that you get an aha moment, moment um, you feel like, wow, I just, I just figured it out. I solved the puzzle. And then you get the next character and it's just a bunch of pieces. And you're like, I thought I knew this. And now I got to figure out how to do this all over again. And with each character, you learn something new about yourself. You learn something new about others uh and it's such an amazing journey but i think what helps the most from my background is to have the discipline to do the work uh and i think that's that's the hardest part for me because i see a lot of people and the and they're in the acting community and and i think if they spend half of the time that they're spending on networking on maybe training uh, and, and, and getting an acting coach and, and developing their, their instrument, they would be blooming much, much faster and the opportunities would come as well. And I think uh, I think that's the hardest part with acting is we get caught up in the promotional side or the networking side and, and, and we, we can forget about the grind and the work that get us there. And that's the beauty of theater because you can't take those shortcuts in theater you know, you have your rehearsals, you have to get in there, you have to do the work. So when you have acting and here, there, there may be a couple of table reads and a rehearsal, and then it's on you. You got to learn the lines. You got to figure out your backstory and, and develop your, your, uh, your, uh, your character essentially. And uh, that's the tricky part is how to stay hungry on, on chasing everything I need about each character to live them as truthfully as possible. Yeah, that's a good point. <clears throat> hey, I, I have a question. So yeah. you have a really wide and diverse portfolio in terms of both your writing and your acting. <clears throat> and I was wondering if you have a specific slant toward a genre that you find more fulfilling or uh, a little bit more uh, wholesome, if you will, in terms of what you do, how you approach it. Is there any one of the genres that you really like to do more than others? And you, how did you come to that? You know what? It's so hard because I don't really think genre. I think I fall in love with a story. 
Um, my favorite movies are movies like Seven. Uh, I love Fight Club, The Usual Suspects, uh, the Godfather movies. Uh, uh, I, I love uh, I love a lot of movies that you that you have uh, where you have a complex storyline, complex characters, uh, uh, and and I love not straight on action films, but when there's drama involved and and, and strong acting. Um, so I love all those things as a viewer. And in the beginning, that's pretty much what I wrote, and that's what we made because that's what pours out of me when I write, and uh, and it's it's in the crime drama, uh, action, uh, suspense, borderline thriller, horror, uh, and then my business partner wrote Bennett's song, and I read this script and I was like, holy smokes, this is beautiful, and I was. I, in all honesty, I was terrified that it was going to be turned into cheese toast uh, because very easily this could have been a high key over the top slapstick movie. And I just did not want that. And uh, and uh, I, I told her, I said, if you want me to, to direct this, uh, I want to shoot this like it's a film for grownups. I guarantee you the kids are going to love it. The teens are going to like it. Like they're all going to like it. But I said, I don't, if you go back to E.T., that film was shot uh, with, with some shadows and it was shot with some, uh, some, uh, some texture. And, uh, and I wanted to do that. Just thing. I the teenagers and everything else. But, but ultimately, those are shot for grownups. They're shot dramatically. They're shot dynamically. And that's kind of what I wanted to do with Bennett's song. So um, I did not know I was going to love doing those genres, but I learned that romance is beautiful. And, and, and to play it and to, to live it as an actor is amazing to, to coach and, and, and get the directing side of things, to draw that out of your cast. was I was so rewarding that I, I can't even pick a favorite anymore. I, I loved being a part and living in Bennett's song one of the most uh, incredible experiences so far. Um, you know what? Let, this is a good time for us to show the trailer to the audience, okay. and then we'll talk more about Bennett's song. So here we go. This is Bennett's song trailer. Hey! I'm Dr. Song. Maybe we could do coffee sometime? I'd love to sometime get coffee, sure. I haven't done this dating thing in a long time. You thought this was a date? Now I have a daughter named Pearl. Did I tell you she's from China? Did I tell you Janice is adopted? She said you asked out her dentist and you were stuttering the whole time. Really, Dad? You're dating. Yeah. How, how many of them are you? All of them. I don't want to date you, Susan. Oh, you don't? I want to marry you. No, really, they're, they're all ours. You're kidding. It's 14? 14. So what are you here for? Witness for a defense man. And you? They wanted to mess with my little sister, they were gonna have to go through me. I don't see a problem with that. 
Words are not fists. No, sometimes they hit a lot harder. Some black kid comes out of nowhere claiming to be your sister, and then this oriental girl starts yelling bad words. There is a noise ordinance, and the sound's coming out of the garage far exceeds that. Sounds like I'm gonna have to put a muffler on my lawnmower. I didn't marry your mother and end up with the rest of you guys in the barn. I love you, Pearl, including your stubbornness. Stop letting the dog lick milk from your mouth. But she likes it! Dude, that's nasty! Well, I got a good one. This is like mining for diamond armor, but smellier. Oh, Theo! No, 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 no! Why do we have kitty litter? And I don't suppose either of you know how we ended up with a dead frog in the washing machine? Oh, no. Bob is nope, definitely not. We have no knowledge of just frog. Yep, nothing. <laughs> awesome, that was so cool. Uh, so talk, talk, um, give us a. I mean, we see it in the trailer, but give us a little uh, rundown of the film and the process of uh, getting that for us to see. So I play uh, Cole, uh, Cole Bennett, and I am a widower with seven kids that are adopted, uh, some a little bit all over the world. And uh, the Susan, who plays the dentist, she is uh, 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 got divorced a few years ago. Husband had a midlife crisis, and she's stuck with seven kids adopted from all over the world. And both of us have pretty much given up on dating because it's not a very realistic thing to find somebody that's going to put up with all that. <laughs> so we run into each other at that dentist office and there's chemistry and I, I, I work up the courage to ask her out and, and I get the date and, and I get the girl. But then we, we realize that this thing is going to be a lot more difficult than what it is. And then I love that we touch uh, on uh, just some of the difficulties uh, of being uh, a, a mixed family, and the and, and the the you know the prejudices of of uh, of where we live, and and maybe how we can be a little bit kinder and a little bit nicer and a little bit more understanding um, in the film as well. We also have a uh, the daughter that I bring to the dentist is deaf, and. Uh, so we touch on that too, with a little bit of the difficulties of that, and finding ways uh, for inclusion and understanding, which I really enjoy. But it's a, it's I love the movie because you're getting so many genres. You're getting romance. You're getting family. You're getting uh, you know a, a, a drama. It's 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 a lot. Uh, it's a lot uh, for for your buck. Yeah, and um, it, you seem like you have a, a wonderful cast too. By the way, uh, yeah, yeah um, I saw Tara Reed in there as well. So, uh, pretty yeah, cool. Haskins from Saved by the Bell. Yes, Dennis Haskins plays my father, and uh, and uh, and uh, yeah, he he's he's such a not just a good, really good actor. He's such a good guy. It's somebody I've I really enjoyed working with, and and he's been in in so many of of my films actually. Uh, that I, it's it's somebody I, I really enjoy, and Tara has been so good to us. Uh, she actually came 
we premiered Betrayed at the Chinese Theater in Hollywood in, uh, what is it now, three weeks ago? And uh, and she came out and supported, Dennis came out and supported, uh, even though they weren't a part of the Betrayed movie. Uh, so it, it was it was phenomenal. It's, I've made a little community and a bunch of people that I feel really close with now uh, from from doing this. That is so cool because you know, as you know, a lot of times you work on a, a project and that doesn't always happen. Even though you might have had what seemingly yeah. was a great experience, but it doesn't always translate to post uh, film. Yeah. So that's cool. I, I like yeah. that too because the movie seemed I haven't seen it yet and. Uh, um, but it seems like it's very uplifting. Uh, it, it has that feel to it. And, you know, so much stuff these days is dark. Even fa so-called family films will be really dark. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this looks pretty like it's, it's something you can bring the whole family to. Yeah, it's, a, it's I mean, it's really a feel-good movie. Uh, we even got, I mean, the little film that could, we just got mentioned in the Washington Post as what to watch with your kids. Uh, which nice. is a pretty big deal for a little independent film like us. Yeah, thank you. Now, um, now you know the, the the one of the rules they say in films is don't work with kids or animals. So you you, <laughs> you, you did one of them. So so what was it like working with the, the kids on this film? Well, there were there were there was a dog also. So oh, <laughs> so you broke yeah. both <laughs> and the cat. Oh wow! Uh, so, so we 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 decided to break all the rules. You know, everybody says that, and I, and I'm not gonna lie and say I wasn't scared, um, but we did our due diligence. So we had a a, a very uh, strong. Uh, we we did auditions, we did callbacks, and 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 one more level of callbacks. We had, I think we had three table reads and two rehearsals. Um, so we were really making sure that a we cast the right kids uh, and B that they were prepared when we got there and not trust that, that they were going to do it all by themselves. Uh, and I, and I gotta be honest with you. I am so proud of those kids. They did such an amazing job. Uh, I, I'm super proud of the the film as a whole, but those kids were ju just amazing. You, you, you know, sometimes when I see a film with uh, children, actors who are just knock it out the park, it actually makes me feel uh, like, dang, I don't think when I was that age, I could have done that. I kind of feel like kind of slow now, <laughs> you know, because these kids are so awesome me too. these days. They're like so good at a young age. And it yeah. seems like you have some, some good ones there. I, I can't wait to see it. Um, how can we see the film? Um, so Bennett's song is available virtually on all platforms. So if you have Comcast, go to Comcast. If you go to Hulu, uh, or not Hulu, Vudu, or... Uh, PlayStation or iTunes or DirecTV, it's available everywhere. Fandango, um, then the, the it's also available on DVD, so you can order your DVD. Um, I don't, I think it's sold out of stores, so I don't think you can buy it at Walmart anymore. But uh, you can buy it on, you know, Walmart.com or on Amazon or whatever if you like the hard copy. Um, but yes, yeah, it's going to be available virtually everywhere you can, where you can find. Uh, uh, video on demand. Yes. So impressive that it's already sold out. I mean, that that's just, wow. There's something. Yeah. Deep yeah, respect. Had, that's big. Yeah. No, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm. I, I, I've been living this last two months or so. I've been pinching myself a lot. We uh, we just had the premiere for Betrayed. It, it just came out Tuesday last week. I know Walmart ended up with a fifty thousand DVD order. 
and you can't find them anymore. They, they're out at the warehouse and about 20% of Walmarts is all that have DVDs left. So uh, it's, it's just insane. And Bennett's song has been on back order for three weeks because wow. it's sold out so fast. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very, I love it, but, but I really feel like pinch me because this, this can't just be happening. Right. That's amazing. Wow. That, that, I mean, congratulations for all your success. Yeah, thank you. Man, you know, because, uh, you know, this business is tough. And yeah. but, you know, when you when you have that discipline and you work really hard and you, you know, you've you've basically your whole life has gotten you to this moment, you know, like from dancing with Luke <laughs> to right, right. Rob Bass <laughs> to, you know, martial arts at seven to now directing uh, movies. Uh, this is really cool. This is really yeah. cool. I'm very happy yeah. for you. Seth. I mean, I, I definitely I'm loving it. And, and I think, you know, uh, I think you're right. I think we find ourselves at places exactly when we're supposed to be there somehow there's a divine finger that moves things around and, and places you where you're supposed to be uh, a lot. And, and then it's your, your job to, to capitalize and, and, and hit it out of the park because the opportunity keeps popping into our lives. It's our job to do our part. Right. Yes. Uh, now, now, you've mentioned it. Uh, let's talk a little bit about it. Uh, Betrayed. Uh, this film, uh, tell us about it. And you have a great cast for this as well. So this film, uh, my church had a, a church service uh, probably two years ago where they started talking about human trafficking. And they were talking about 15,000 people are trafficked in and out of the U.S. every year. And most of them are minors. Many of them are at the age of... And I was, I was sitting in the church going like, like, I feel so bad that, how did I not know? How did I not know that this was happening to the extent that it is? It's not something that happens over there to those people and blah, blah, blah. This is affecting everyone. everyone. We, 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 we have to, to step back into our roles of, 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 of being, as men, we should be protectors. That, that's what I, I firmly believe that. And, uh, and I, I, I try to think myself like how because i'm not a a documentary kind of guy so i didn't really know how to do this and i didn't want to make a straight up drama because those are difficult to do if you don't have a fantastic uh very expensive cast they generally don't go uh, anywhere so i thought to myself my happy place is suspense thriller action thriller so i decided i'm gonna write something that puts this right in our backyard i'm gonna write something that showcases how easily this happens, and uh, and at the same time takes you for a journey from an entertainment standpoint. It takes you on a ride that you lose, you know, an hour and thirty eight minutes of your life, and you're like, wow. But then hopefully you also go, you know what? Is that true? Does this happen? Is this? And then maybe you'll spring into action and and make a difference somehow. Um, but yeah, it's it's a phenomenal movie. It's a the mayor of Detroit has essentially decided um, to avoid gang wars and everything else. He is going to let the Russian mafia run their business in the city, and he tries to put quotas on them and control them. Obviously, they don't really obey by these rules. He ends up in trouble. The police chief and him get to answer for all this. 
and and now they're involved to the point that they can't really get to me so now the mayor decides to go behind my back talk to the cartel in chicago and bring them in to do it and get me out thinking that they will respect his rules uh the russian mafia says no 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 no, no. that's not how it's going to work and then they take his daughter mm. and now everything changes because now it's it's personal and uh and and you know he has detectives that are out there searching for her he brings in a couple of uh of vigilantes or, or hitmen uh, uh to to help him out with uh, with this and it ends up in a big old showdown um with uh you know a, a fair amount of action and a bunch of of uh of uh drama and and, uh, and a lot of intrigue and suspense but what i did throughout the whole movie is i tried to really showcase so that you felt for the victims uh so they have they're very themed all the way throughout the movie uh with, with i believe uh, the best score they've ever done for me by but kaisad and feroz patel uh who do my my sound engineering in in uh in india they did the job they've ever done, uh, which they've won awards for now. But uh, they did an incredible job. And I wanted that signature reminder. Every single time we had those victims on screen, I wanted you to feel like somebody stabbed you in the heart. Mm. Uh, so it was shot with a duality of, of that tough guy action kind of thing with the drama. And then the back seat, uh, we see... Uh, this 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 dark underbelly of of our country right if you you go on youtube they have a compilation they have several compilation videos of people being abducted like yeah. real abductions and it's like it is so brazen that it yeah. is it's almost looks like it's not real but it's real yeah so i think you know um you know it's a good thing that you are bringing light to this uh yeah. this subject and uh you know uh, being the the director, the producer, and also a lead actor in it. Um, how how do you navigate that? Because I can imagine, I mean, it's so much to worry about as a producer. It's so yeah. much to worry about as a director and you're a director producer, but now you got to carry the movie too as an actor. How do you balance all these, uh, these, uh, these balls in the air? I think this is, you go back to martial arts about discipline and about having systems for things. So what I tried to do is I tried to do as much of the producing as I possibly can uh, so that when we are on set, I don't wear that hat anymore. My business partner, Nancy, she puts the hat on when we're in production and I don't have to worry about any of any of those things at all. And then I can focus on directing and I can focus on acting. And those two things are so closely related anyways that I don't I don't struggle a lot with that. Uh, in my early days, before I had a solid team behind the camera, I know that every now and then I was worried about them getting everything done that I needed done. But, but I, I have such a good team now that I, I, I don't have that problem anymore. And we have monitors, so after we shoot the takes, I go right back in front of the, the monitor and I make sure that we got everything that we were looking for. But it, it's definitely discipline, and then it's compartmentalizing the jobs because it's it's like the people that say i have to lose weight if you say i gotta lose 50 pounds that's that's huge you're talking about a a full year of commitment to do that the right way 
and that sounds like a lot and can be overwhelming, but I always tell people, how about you worry about losing one pound a week? Hmm. Just think about one week. Uh, and, and then you break things down like that and, and everything becomes a lot more achievable. So I, I'm really good at compartmentalizing what I do and, 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 uh, and designing a game plan so I can stick to that. So, <clears throat> so speaking of compartmentalizing, because boy, that is just such a perfect segue into what I was going to ask about abeyance. So the, oh. the, the stuff that I've seen about abeyance, I'm going to, I am actually just going to ask you to talk about it, but the things that I've seen yeah. about it make me think that this was uh, a bit more uh, outside of what you have done in the past in that it, it feels like it's got a different narrative feature going forward. And I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about that and what that process was like. Yeah, so I think the the story came to life because uh, I was reading an article about this doctor, I believe he's an Italian doctor, that's uh, in the process of pretty soon he's going to essentially surgically behead a person um, who is brain dead and also behead a person that has a, uh, uh, a disease so that his body is falling apart, but his mind is clear. And he's going to switch them. And they have done work on uh, deceased primates and everything else. And they worked out a system that they actually believe will work. And, and my mind started going 100 miles an hour with this because we live in a society where the only thing that stops us from being gods is the fact that we will one day perish. And, and when we figure this thing out um, and get the Holy Grail, uh, it's, uh, it's a very interesting dilemma. And, and I love making movies generally about these. The moral dilemma of just because I can doesn't mean I should. Um, and, 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 we, and I like touching on that in my movies. And in, in, in abeyance, I do that in, in a big, big way. And uh, essentially, we're taking the step one step further. We don't cap decapitate heads anymore. We have figured out how to download you onto this advanced chip. And now you can be plugged into another body. And essentially, it'll reset and delete the original host. And you will now be the driver behind the wheel. And these two companies that have built this uh, prototype together, uh, one of the company's CEOs sees by mistake that the other company has a waiting list of the richest of the rich. And these people, not only are they on the list to be, to be receiving this, but they already have picked out their new bodies and uh, they're not dead. They're not brain dead. They're, there's nothing wrong with them. They're essentially handpicking who they're going to be next uh, and uh, this CEO takes a moral stance and says nope we're going to stop this she uses her veto vote to shut the whole thing down and uh, and then then the movie really takes a flight from there but uh, I believe I believe it will be my, my best movie I believe that it will, will be drastically better than anything I've done. I was, it was one of those films where I was just blown away on set almost every day. I, I just couldn't even believe what we were capturing. Everybody gave everything and, and, uh, 
and on. Yeah, I mean, that is so scary, though. Like, just to think that for, you know what's scary to me? It's not even just the <laughs> fact that that is even possible or or even attempted. It's like, who in their mind yeah. even thinks, like, I'm going to try that? <laughs> you know, like, you have to be kind of crazy yeah. to do that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean I think it's terrifying and I think but I think we we make all these little steps and we don't really think about them and and when we put the big questions in front of us it's so easy to say oh that's wrong but but these lines get really blurry when you start saying like pet cemetery. I love pet cemetery because here's this little kid and his his pet dies. You know, runs out gets hit by the truck. And of course you want your pet back. So it does sound so innocent. Mm -hmm. So then when, you know, when you, when we have death in the family, of course, of course we want to bring them back. But the question is just because we can't eat it, you know, if we reach that point, that doesn't mean we should. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's such a quintessential um, aspect of telling a good sci-fi thriller is the, the, yeah. that moral question underneath that sort of uh, hangs the entire story on what is it? And the thing that I think works for this film in particular, as far as I can see, is once again, there is a nice blend of sort of um, not moral ambiguity, but a technological ambiguity. Like, okay, yeah. you know, what if you legitimately were faced with an issue where this would be the savior of things? Yeah. What if it, what if it really was used just for the best? And, and it brings up some great questions for us to ask as a society. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a healthy place for us to be. I think we should be poking at things we should be asking if this is right. We should be open to to examine and re-examine because I think that's how we evolve and that's how we move forward and that's how we get better. I think it's very dangerous uh, when we just think we know it all. I think that's a dangerous place for us as beings. Uh, you know, you look online and, 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 and right now the political climate is, is, is terrifying in this country because it's so strong uh, and, and there's no middle ground anymore. And I think we forget all the time that we are still far more alike than we're different. We all, you know, wake up and we all get our heart broken. We all uh, lose our jobs. We all have kids. Like we all go through all the same stuff. And I think we focus so much on the divide in between us that that it becomes black versus white and rich versus poor and this and that and it's it's like we need to start working on seeing common grounds because in, in, in i don't know if you've ever been a part of a think tank but when you sit in a think tank it, nothing is off limits and you talk about everything and you try to solve problems and and i think we need to approach life more that way uh, because i i think we all just post what we think and then we have a bunch of people that agree with us to the point that now we're right. And then the other side points they're in their little bubble. And, and now all we're doing is pointing out how wrong they are and how right we are and nothing moves. You know, it, it, it's funny that you mentioned that because I think that um, it, it, from a filmmaker standpoint, from a writer standpoint, 
the idea of, uh, of identity bias, of any kind of bias, is sort of, uh, you can cut through it quite easily with a well-written yeah. narrative. Not because the bias yeah. may not still be there, but because just by the operational function of narrative, you encourage people to see many sides of the same exact issue. And then they are forced with character yeah. interaction and with other narrative pieces to see where they fall on those sides instead of just identifying with one side or the other. So it's, yeah. it's, it's quite a powerful tool when you think about it. It is. And, and to circle all the way back to Bennett's song, I feel we tackled some pretty important things, but you never feel like you're being talked down to or, 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 or in any way, uh, you know, we're not like making it into something. It, it's, it's just, it's just portrayed as life. And, and sometimes we don't see it in ourselves. Uh, and, and, and then when we see it in a film, you can go, wow, you know what? That's right. That's true. Maybe I do think a little bit like that. And maybe I do act a little bit like that. And it's things that you never even thought about until you were confronted by a situation, maybe from a film or maybe uh, from another situation. But but that's where we grow. That's I, I believe that as humans... We need those. Nobody grows uh, without pressure. I think that's that's what happens. It's the lo the whole lobster story, is you know you have to be very very uncomfortable to, to grow usually. Yeah, that that's really powerful. Yeah, it's it's um, you know, you're you know what you've been working on and you across different genres, you know, because uh, we were talking about how sometimes we don't like the the, the genre word, <laughs> but uh, you yeah. touch so many different ones. And I love that. Like you can't they can't pigeonhole you into one thing like uh, you do. You've done action, uh, romantic uh, comedy, as well as horror as well. You have a horror film that's coming out, too. And um, I'm going to um, pull up the uh, the trailer because the trailer is awesome. And yeah. uh, and then we'll t and we'll talk about it. Okay, so here we go. This is uh, um, am I saying this right? Ar Argamon's Gate. Agramon's Gate. Agramon's right. Gate. Okay. All right. Here we go. Here's the trailer. She is here. Hmm. Things are about to get interesting. Can you talk to family members? We can do a seance. I'm honestly not a big fan of this kind of thing. Spirit or spirit, who are here to see family and friends. Anyone else a daddy? That's you. Shh. Your father, was he a bad man? You could say that. He tried to kill my mom and me. One night when he was strangling her, I shot him with his own gun. She's been in a mental institution ever since. <laughs> What was that? Something pushed through. Like a spirit? What was that? This didn't just happen to Richie. This happened to all of us. <laughs> You're all gonna die. Whatever it was, it was stronger than anything I've ever felt before. He is him. Who is he? I think I know who it is. Trust me when I say this. His soul is up for grabs. His name is 
to have the nightlight on after i see that one <laughs> yeah that's good that's yeah really good so suspenseful I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be like damn you yeah, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny i have uh Lori landon in mm-hmm. and she blew my mind uh she played a character that i was I, it had to be pulled off and you have to come across really, really crazy because in the story, the the character of Chris, who's the main character of the story, he's the guy who killed his father when he was a kid. And the mother, that same night, got carried off to the psych ward because she believed that the demon in his father went to his son. Mm-hmm. So she pretty much disowned him the same night. So he's now cut off and he's lived with this his whole life and here suddenly they have a seance they're trying to talk to some of their you know dead grandpas and here comes this thing through saying it's your father kind of coming back (laughs) and things are going to be different this time it's terrifying but you know what i really love is the story the story is so strong and jan plays the father jan birch from the people under the stairs Mm -hmm. he plays the father and you saw him. He is terrifying. <laughs> he can do the littlest things, a little squint to raise an eyebrow. And he goes from looking like the nicest guy in the world to you want to just crawl under the table. It's <laughs> unbelievable. He's so talented. It's ridiculous. Yes. And you're looking mighty creepy, wow. too, in this film. It's just yourself. <laughs> I watched the trailer, and they said... So are you not in this one? And I'm like, are you serious? You didn't see it? I have no <laughs> hair and I have, you know, an eye clawed out. But uh, you, you didn't even recognize me. But yeah, that's <laughs> it was a really fun character to portray. Um, I actually have a prequel for this one already in my head uh, of how everything happened that led us to where we are. But this this movie itself, it's such a good ride. I think I think it's going to shock a lot of people. And I think it's going to do very well. well yeah, it looks It'll good. It'll be completed in about a month. In about a month, we start our festival run. And, and uh, I, I'm, I'm curious what it's going to do out there because I, I really love this movie. Oh, wow, man. I'm looking forward to it. Do you do any premieres out here in Los Angeles? Great. We had one at the Chinese Theater uh, September 20, 26th. Mm-hmm. At, at the Chinese Theater and uh, for Betrayed. And it was a huge event. Uh, uh, that was my first time premiering a film in L.A. So we didn't want to get too big of a theater because we didn't know what kind of draw we're going to have. And, you know, with a month left, we were, we were I mean, the, the, we had no room. And we drew, you know, a f- phenomenal talent. I had Tara Reid and Jake Busey and Sh- Sean Whalen. Like, we had... A, a, a ton of of uh, of notable talent there, and uh, and it was it was an amazing event, and and I just love how it was received. You know, you know, you're getting huge uh, ovation, and, and and people that are sitting in this in the theater are like whoa, 
so you know it was an amazing experience and, and i have a feeling we will probably come back from now on and uh, and the chinese theater kind of felt like home actually so we will probably stick with that yeah i uh uh you know it's one of those places that uh just the history of it you know yeah uh, you know and, and it feels you could feel it when you're in in that location i don't know if you've ever been have you been out here to that uh jen Jen? Uh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> I'm here. Have, you, I, have I ever been to Chinese to theater? which? I'm which, sorry. Say it again. To the Chinese theater. Oh, I, that's what I thought you said. Yeah, I've I've actually been there before. Just because I live on an island doesn't mean I'm not a world traveling jet setter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you you've uh, you've done a lot in your life. <laughs> I I I have actually yeah. been to the Oscars. So. Pat on my own back oh, for that that's one. That's right. <laughs> one time, at but still, it's a, it's a milestone. No, it wasn't at the Chinese theater. Okay. Because I know that they've hosted them there and at the Egyptian, I believe. Yes. Yeah, it's at the Kodak. They were the, I think they were the, yeah. Yeah. I, I really like both of those. But the Egyptian is, uh, you know, for a premiere night, you know, the fact that at the Chinese theater you have the bar and, and the big lobby area and all that stuff, it just enhanced the whole experience. And then, like you said, that, that the history you know, seeing all the pictures and the handprints and it just adds to the whole, uh, experience. Yeah. Now we're at the, the point of the show that we affectionately love to call rapid fire. And the way that rapid fire works is that me and Jen will pepper you with questions. Uh, now we call it rapid fire, but you know, you don't have to go really fast, but, uh, <laughs> are, but are, are you ready? Yeah, sure. Let's go. All right, here we go. A couple of years ago at Coachella, they had a hologram concert for the rapper Tupac. So what dead artist or band would you like to see a hologram concert of? Oh, you know, um, I would love to see Bob Marley. Bob Marley is, is my favorite musical act of, of all time. And I, and I love what he stood for. I loved his message. Um, I would love, I know that that's not a great, fantastic, big uh, show. Uh, I've already seen Michael Jackson live a couple of times. Uh, so I would say Bob Marley. I would love to see Bob Marley. See, me and Harley could travel together because I feel like. Good choice. I feel like me and Harley would, would agree on what to play we on the radio. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Right. I've seen Run DMC, Public Enemy. I've seen. Oh, wow. uh, 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 God, I've seen uh, LL Cool J when he was with uh, you know, uh, Terminator X. Yes. Oh, so good. Great. All right, go ahead, uh, Jen. Okay. Uh, myth plays such an important part in storytelling. So what is your favorite myth and why? I love all those seeing sightings of, of the Bigfoot and Sasquatch and Loch Ness. I can't pick one but i love those because they do keep certain storytelling alive uh like you know shape of water and, and those type of things are possible in large part because of these ufo sightings and and and, and these other things that can't be explained so i love those the things so that you like the cryptids yes nice good yeah. that that's a pretty awesome answer 
Yeah, me too. I, uh, I'm me and a, a friend of mine named Shirley Martin. We're supposed to go looking for Bigfoot in uh, in Washington State. So she always tells me oh, that, that we're gonna uh, do that's that. Awesome. So yeah, we'll, you know, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. We'll, we'll get Jen to go too. So you know, if either we'll find them all together, or we'll get killed all together. Look, <laughs> look I'll, I'll I'll drive you guys in the Escalade and hang out. Okay, you guys can go <laughs> right. camping, and I'll be drinking Starbucks. Uh, see, right. see, see, she's supposed to be my partner. <laughs> She's supposed to be my partner. Now, um, what is your favorite guilty pleasure junk food? Ooh, uh, Cold Stone ice cream, man. I think I got to give it to that. Cold Stone ice cream, it's just, it's it's the devil's work. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Like, how can you make something that good? It's not even fair. <laughs> I love it, too. Yeah. All right. Go ahead, Jen. All right. If, if you could time travel... What era would you end up in? Man, just because of my martial arts and everything else, uh, going back to the knights uh, and, and seeing that medieval time, it seems really brutal and it seems like there was a lot of bad stuff happening. But at the same time, it's like we read so much about it. There were so many people that just made a difference um, you know, I would be there pulling on Excalibur. Ooh. Well, hey, you know, way to blend my first question with my second question. <laughs> yeah, right. Because, yes. yeah, the myth of Excalibur is an awesome one. So Yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, this is our, our final question. We always close with this. Um, sure. Now, uh, wait, when did you, uh, do you ever go back to Sweden? I was just back in August. Okay. I was there for three weeks. All right, so we can we'll make this about Sweden. Okay, you got to help a brother out. Okay. A young man is in Sweden, and he's taking a young lady out on a date, and he has no idea of the perfect date to take a young lady out on. So you got to give him the advice. So give us a great Swedish date to take a young lady out on. Um, first of all, if you're in my hometown, which is Malmo, which is right across from Copenhagen. I would hop on, there's a train that goes along the coastline from Malmo all the way up to Helsingborg. And in Helsingborg, you would hop on a ferry boat that goes over to to Denmark, to Helsingborg. So then you would dine and have uh, uh, something nice to eat and either a glass of wine or a beer. And then you would hop on the train on the Danish side. You'd stop at Bakken, which is an amusement park. Uh, and the beautiful thing, it's one of them uh, romantic places where you can walk around and hold hands. It doesn't cost anything at all to get in. So you can hang around and have a good time. And, and if you want to buy a bracelet and go on the rides, you can. But but it's it's just a great place to just hang out and have a good time. Then you'd hop back on, drive up, hop on the train, go to Copenhagen and finish in Copenhagen and have a couple of drinks. And then uh, cross that beautiful, romantic, brand new bridge between Copenhagen and Malmo. Uh, on the way home and you you might be able to walk her up to the door and give her a nice big kiss hey i love it i don't think any girl would uh have problems with that what do you think jen um you know i'm sure i could find a problem with it but no <laughs> whatever <laughs> if i do that so hard much, to please. if i do that much come there was on no there was no beach involved that's probably <laughs> the only point to that oh see that's what it was you read into it without me even having to say a thing you got it <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man well thank you so much man this has been a pleasure to talk to you and um i'm looking so forward to checking out your films i'm gonna uh, make sure i get me a copy of bennett's song as well as uh how can uh, how can we uh get copies of all your works as well as what's the next thing that we need to be on the lookout for all right so the moving parts behind me here it's on Amazon Prime, so you can go hop on there and watch it. It's on Voodoo as well. Uh, Betrayed, it, it's 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 gone crazy, but it's still available at a few WalMarts, and it's still available on Amazon. Uh, and you can check it out on on Comcast or DirecTV on any of those VOD platforms. Uh, same thing, Voodoo or Fandango. Uh, and Betrayed all, uh, and, and Bennett's Song are pretty much available in all the same places. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's where you can find them all. The next thing to look out for will probably be uh, Abstruse, a film I did with uh, Tom Sizemore and Dennis Haskins, a very, very dark psychological thriller. Um, uh, it's very likely going to be in a box that's red uh, at very early next year. All right. Great. And uh, and social media and websites as well? Yeah. Uh, I am either official Harley Wallen uh, or I am Harley the Swede. Uh, and that was actually my my name as a fighter, Harley the Swede. And that stuck with me. And, and I didn't want to change it on on uh, on, on uh, Twitter. So it's still, still that. Uh, so official Harley Wallen uh, or, or Harley Wallen or Harley the Swede. Uh, that'll that'll get you me everywhere, and I still run all my own social media. So, if you if you're talking and interacting, it'll be with me. All right. Cool. And um, yeah, so uh, I'm looking forward to everything that you have coming out. And next time you you do something in LA, uh, I'm gonna make sure that I I attend because uh, this you're doing some really would, good stuff. Yeah. Let's link up in person because that, that that that's always fun. Sounds like we're gonna have a blast just talking music. Oh yeah, man! Music, martial arts, and film—that's shoot, that's me. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's everything. Me too. Right, uh, definitely. So, um, um, Jen, how can we get you on social media and such? I am on Twitter at following bliss one, and you can find my websites at critical laughs with two l's dot com or moviesmakethemeal dot com. All right, you can get me at Kente F on Twitter as well as our website, IndyRadio.org. That's I-N-D-Y Radio.org. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode of uh, The Spotlight, and we will be reviewing, actually, Halloween 1978. So not the 2018 one, but the 78 version. So we're going to have a panel. So excited about that. Yeah, we're going to have a panel together uh i hear that the new film is supposed to be outstanding so we'll we'll find out if that's true because uh, i i am going to go see it the following day so i'll have a, a special review of that one as well but uh we're going to have a panel together we're going to break down the 78 classic so i'm really excited about that so uh but you know you guys have a great rest of your week god bless and we'll catch you right here on indie radio thanks kenneth thanks jen we're here to see how bad the biggest, baddest blowout sale at Office Depot Office Max really is. So how bad is it? It's so bad, I got office and school supplies at up to 70% off. It's so bad. 
Even technology is on sale. It's so bad, I'm now the coolest cat in a swivel chair. It's the baddest. Go in-store or online at OfficeDepot.com to get thousands of items at up to 70% off. It's going on now, so bring your bad self in today. Quantities by location. No rain check. Sale ends October 13th.